Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Two Foot Attack Podcast, episode number eight. I am your host, uh, James Patton. And I am your other host, Julio Ortiz. Is this not episode number nine? Uh, <laughs> that is a excellent question. Who knows? Anyways, welcome to the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. Hello, James. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How about yourself? I'm doing quite okay. It's that uh, it's that period in between um, Thanksgiving and Christmas where my productivity is non-existent, and uh, and you know we're all having a good time. Amen to that, brother. Should we just jump into our new intro segment? How about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, so we wanted to uh, kind of occupy our intro, <laughs> occupy our intro a little better, um, seeing as we've just kind of been glazing over the uh, local segment. Which, to be fair, we haven't had much, uh, much mini news or anything to really talk about um, besides you know some small time academy stuff that Charlotte FC is. Um, doing right now so we want to fill this up a little bit uh, a little segment we call bad takes um, this is just where we kind of look back at uh, some of our worst takes uh, of the season so far this could be stuff that we've said on the podcast or that we've uh, that we've said to each other or um, you know that uh, we just thought about it at the beginning of the season and we were dead wrong so uh, Hamas you want to start or you want me to start I don't, I don't want to do this uh- I, I can start. We uh we love a good self roast. Yeah. Around here at Two Foot Attack. We love to be wrong. <laughs> which we are a lot well, of the times. Well, actually I hate being yes. wrong, but you get what I mean. <laughs> well, uh during our uh episode where we looked over transfers, I had mentioned my dark horse transfer uh uh list will be Armenia Bielefeld out of Bundesliga and they are sitting third from the bottom right now. And to be fair, their best player is one of the guys I mentioned, Ritsu Doen, who has two goals and two assists. Mm-hmm. He is leading the team in both. So, yeah. enthralling stats. <laughs> as, as we have um, put in our notes here, Bielefeld ass. I think that's a pretty good description for the team. Yeah, so, I came up with that. I'm so proud of myself. It's, uh, it's pretty sad. Sad days in Bielefeld. Yeah, and to be fair, it's just, uh, you know, they're in the Bundesliga. Um, and they were kind of flying high for the longest time there. Uh, but as we've seen seasons everywhere shape up, um, we see that uh, this kind of decline in uh, early season form. Uh, much like mine, uh, I'm going to talk about Everton and how dead wrong I was that they were going to keep up this fantastic form uh, that they achieved at the beginning of the season uh, and that they would go on to kind of challenge for the title. Um, they are nowhere near top five right now. Um, actually, that's probably pretty harsh to say. They are probably near top five, but um, they've been struggling. Uh, I know. I said. I also said that James Rodriguez was probably signing of the season, and he hadn't hasn't really done anything in the past uh, five or six games. So. Um, oh yeah, I haven't heard his name in a while. It's been a it's been a hot minute. So. Uh, yeah, that was that was my bad take, and I'm sure I'm sure I'll have many many more. Uh, to be fair, we both had the same uh, idea about Everton, so I won't let you take all of the blame. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Hamas. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. Appreciate it, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, you want to move in straight into our uh, Around the Grounds uh, segment? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, as always, we're going to start with our beloved Premier League, uh, but instead of talking about the top six like we usually have, um, we're going to talk about uh, either some sides that have been... Uh, dead on form or that have uh, really disappointed us um, so anywhere from you know uh, mid-table to um, bottom of the relegation zone first match we have here is uh, Southampton uh, versus Brighton Hove Albion uh, they won over the weekend 2-1 and they are now sitting in fifth place in the Premier League you know you know we end up talking about Southampton quite a bit and I think the both of us have a soft spot for the team I if yeah we, I do uh, I do I can't lie if we weren't uh, Manchester fans, I, I feel like we would be Southampton fans. Am I am I wrong there? You think? I think with this recent form, yes. If Southampton were kind of trudging along like the bottom or like close to the bottom, I would probably say nah. I just really, but I, I, I agree. I, I think we both really like uh, what the coach is doing over there. Uh, because it's the same squad that they've had for a while now. 
Um, he's just refining it and you know making the best of what he's got, which is the key indicators for a great coach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, uh, yeah, it's. I remember. I mean, this was this was probably another really bad take. Um, I had a couple of weeks ago where I said uh, Southampton didn't have the team to press the way they want to, and they do. <laughs> they do. They just needed more time on the training pitch. Uh, another bad take, although we're not in that segment anymore. Um, but yeah, he's been uh, Ralph Hasenhutl has been, has been like a really really great coach. Um, he's been there for a while now, and uh, I actually saw this thing where it was like, um, you know, if you would like to see him go to one of like the top European teams, which what where would you where would you see him going? Um, and my little short answer for that is, I think uh, Atletico Madrid. I think he'll be. A, I think he would be like a really, really good fit for that. Like really, like tough athletic side. They they like to sit back a little bit, but I think that's more or less. Um, oh god, what's his name? Uh, Diego, um, right? Yeah, Simeone. Simeone. He he really likes to sit back. He that's just kind of like been their style. They love winning games one nil. That's like their call to fame at this point. It'd be nice to see like an Atletico have like a pressing style coach, like uh, Hassan Hutel. But, you know, he, who knows what's going to happen with him in Atletico. I mean, I could see him going to United. Eh? Simeone or Hassan Hutel? Hassan Hutel. That would be another really good option, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's just, if he, if he's doing this with uh, the Southampton side, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're a bad side, they have bad players. He's doing this with pretty okay players, but imagine if he had, like, you know, like uh, like a solid, uh, you know, defender. Uh, you know, if um, a solid midfield band to be Fernandez to work with Pogba if he ever gets his shit together. Um, you know, imagine him having just that little of a better quality side. I think they would be like uh, fucking monsters out there. Ooh, you slipped in uh, Pogba in there, which we were going to talk about a little bit later. But I do agree. If uh, if you get a halfway decent coach, I mean, I like Ola as much as the next guy, but it's just become more and more obvious just how inconsistent the team is that I, I don't think he's the guy for the future. And I think that's, you know, it's just a matter of time at this point, which we've, we've talked, talked about it to an extent, uh, over previous episodes. So I won't go into that much detail, but should we, uh, jump into the next bullet point? Yeah. Just a a quick word on uh, Southampton. They played Sheffield United next. Sheffield are still bottom of the table. They can keep rolling with and getting these points and they can keep their, they can keep their top five spot if they really, they're really up for it, which is uh, great to see. But yeah, very, very true. Let's keep going. Um, We got uh, Everton next. Um, Everton keep dropping spots on the table. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's not what we thought they would be. No, and now they only have one win in the last seven games. I mean, they just come off of a 3-1 loss to United, I believe, is one of the last games they played, and then a 1-1 draw at Burnley. So, I mean, the, the last couple games before that was all losses, so it's it's not looking too great. Uh, Ancelotti needs to really start steering the ship again. It's just like they've kind of lost their way a little bit, and they were probably on that, you know, that beginning of the season high, and now it's you know, coming back down to reality with the Premier League and how tough the schedule can be at times. And then once you hit like a slope, like you, it's so hard to return to form yeah. in this league. And Ancelotti is having to learn that the hard way, which, I mean, he did a lot of learning of that last year, but now he's having to try and maintain the, you know, the consistency of his players and it's just not working right now. So Maybe he'll start riding the ship here soon. I mean, I think they have a couple of tough games up ahead. Let me just double check that. But yeah, uh, just real quick, five points from their last seven games. Uh, you know, starting with the Merseyside derby. Um, that's you know that draw against Liverpool isn't exactly what set all this off. But ever since that game, they they've only picked up um, five points, uh, and that was a a, a pretty kind of okay win um against fulham uh one of the other you know bottom three sides of the of the league right now so it's definitely not not looking great for them uh right now sitting at ninth in the table um with yeah a very tough schedule coming up um just now i'm looking at the schedule the next five premier league games we play 
Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, Sheffield, and Man City. This is it's going to be a rough go, I think. Yeah, but if they, I mean, if they pick up points from that, then I think they can they can just get themselves going again. But it's so hard to ask a team to just, you know, pick up points as soon as they as soon as they want to and and right the ship. Because uh, yeah, like you mentioned, once you get in that slope, it's just like it's all downhill from there. It's it's hard to kind of get back up and 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 um, and kind of do what you've been doing since the beginning of the season. Absolutely. Let's. Uh, you got anything else to say about Everton? Not about Everton. Uh, Burnley, real quick. Um, this is a this is kind of a small win on Burnley's part. Uh, even though they literally drew against Everton, uh, they've picked up five points from their last five games. Um, which when you put it on paper, it's like that's kind of shitty. But when you think about uh their first, I think, uh six games where they just picked up one point. Uh, this is this is just what Burnley do, baby. They uh, <laughs> they uh, have a really bad start to the season, and then they start coming back up, and uh, they start riding the ship just like Everton need to do. Just a quick word. That's how on Sean that. Dyche likes to do it, man. Yeah, yeah. Slow sure. and steady. Slow and steady. Um, yeah. Uh, so to keep going, uh, we got Arsenal. I just thought of that. Uh that uh guy from futurama the guy who's uh has a hot dog roller that just reminds me of Burnley. oh people will wait for something, <laughs> for something good. good except it's like a point <laughs> everyone in burnley's just like yeah, yeah! <laughs> we're waiting for so long man <laughs> sean dyke is just like yeah uh <laughs> that's how we do baby that's how they do it around these parts um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next game of the weekend, uh, we saw Arsenal uh, getting their ass beat <laughs> and just keep falling in the table. Uh, they lost 2 nothing to Spurs uh, in the North London Derby. I watched this game. Arsenal looked uh, like they were dead, like they had no energy. They had they wanted to do nothing with uh, the counterattacking Mourinho Spurs side. Um, and they fall uh, to 15th in the table. And it's their worst starts to a season since 1981. They uh, they bad. They real bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, I, I was, I was taking notes for this episode. I was like, I had a lot for the first two games that we talked about, and then I got to Arsenal. And I just wrote Ozil question mark. Like I, like I really don't have anything to like you know substantial to say about Arsenal right now. Because it's been the same thing forever now, I feel like. I feel like they, they don't really work hard. They don't, like, press well. They don't pass well. Obviously, they can't score to save their lives right now. So it's like, what's what's going to have to change for them to start getting better? Or, you know, and, and they've, they've been doing the same thing for the past, like, two or three seasons. It's just like they've just, they've, by the end, they've barely squeaked in the Europa League, which that's what it kind of feels like this season. But... If so, I mean, they need to do it, like, right now. Well, their their issues have kind of stemmed ever since they kind of uh, let Ozil fall off to the wayside. I mean, absolutely. I mean, their, their issue right now is scoring goals, and they don't have any kind of production in that midfield because they, they did a really weird job of collecting midfielders. Like They have good midfielders, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. not in the sense of playmaking ability. I mean, like, Tomas is not really known for, you know, making that key pass in the final third to you know, send in a Bamiyang on a goal. And Ozil is that exact type of player that they need, but they don't want to play him. And at this point, he may be well past his prime to where he could even be beneficial, but they don't play him. I mean, what have you got to lose at this point? You're in 15th. You need points. Just play the guy. I mean, what what could possibly go wrong? You lose another game. I mean, Mikel Arteta's already in the hot seat, I would say. Yeah, and his some of his comments has been really weird too. Some of his like, I, it's almost like he like, not wants to get fired, but he's like he knows it's coming. Like the way he talks about, you know, uh, the way that he's been, the, the way that he's been operating at Arsenal. Like in some of his pre- recent press conferences, he's just been like, uh, it is what it is. Like, almost like okay, yeah, I'll probably I'm probably about to get fired, and um, I definitely see that being the case. Uh, I mean. We're what a quarter of the way through the season, maybe just a little bit more, um, and yeah, it's it's their worst start to a season in a while, um, and you think that maybe things, things definitely were bad against uh, or with uh, Arsene Wenger's last couple years and with Unai Emery, but 
I mean, not this bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, memes on Twitter and whatnot. There is a, supposedly there was an old dude up in the stands that just said "arson in" on a little sign. <laughs> it's just like we've we've come full circle, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to see, uh, but um, just like Everton, it's it's kind of you know when when do they start to right the ship? When do they start to pick up points? And who knows? That is a good question. Uh, it might be that they have to pick some people up in January. Get get an attacking midfielder. Go to the Bundesliga. Go to Liga. Get get someone cheap just to, you know, light the fire under some of these guys. I mean, I mean they they have issues all across the board. Attacking bad, midfield bad, defending awful. Leno is inconsistent at best. It's just Martinez is not looking good for Arsenal. I would say. Um, probably another hot take. Uh, uh, I, d- I definitely like. You think he's good? Is that what you said? No, I definitely like Martinez better than Leno. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a hot take. Yeah, I, I just think that he's I, he's just a solid goalkeeper. Now he's doing his thing in Aston Villa, which you love to see. Um, I mean, Villa's above them on the table, so yeah, yeah, and Villa's also playing really well. Everyone is. Um, Enough said. So uh, the last game that we have for, for the Premier League here is um, is West Ham, uh, and they are still. Uh, getting points under Moyes, scoring goals under Moyes. Uh, very surprising, I would say. Come on, you Hammers. Gotta love it. I love seeing them in eighth place. I think they... I love seeing them this high up the table. It was kind of sad watching them be 15th, 16th for like the past like <laughs> three seasons, it feels like. I mean, I... This might be weird for me to say as a United fan, but I've always thought that David Moyes is a decent coach. United was definitely not the team for him, though. He seems to fit in really well with, like, those kind of, like, mid-table teams. Like, when he was at Everton, like, they were really, really good when T. Howe was still there. And, like, they were consistently, yeah, they were consistently getting Champions League and constantly competing and getting points against big teams. Now, I mean, I don't think West Ham's quite there yet, but he's made some key, uh, key acquisitions. They've picked up some really good players, and they're playing well. They've got good results against Man City. That draw comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. They also drew against, uh, was it Chelsea? Who was, was another big team they tied against? Um, it was like right yeah, after it was, that. Uh, it was Tottenham. Uh, they did that 3-3. Lanzini got that. Oh, yeah, it was Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, they tied against Man City the next week. Um, I mean, they're, they're pulling results. I mean, <laughs> but... You can't argue with that, and they just look really, really good. They have they have that fight that you know a lot of teams need right now. I don't know how he's doing it, but I mean, good good to him, good for him. Yeah, I, I really like. I watched that United game this past weekend, and uh, United did come back three um, one. West Ham played really well, uh, even though it was a loss. Um, but I really <coughs> like the, the the system and the way they ran things. Uh, you know, he's playing. Uh, basically two left backs, Aaron Cresswell and, uh, and Masuaku, but um, the way they overlap their runs, the way they can cross the ball in, really, really great for, um, first off, Antonio. Antonio was injured, unfortunately, uh, my boy. But uh, Haller is playing up there. He's doing a re- decent job. And then on the other side, you got um, Vladimir Sufal, I think is the way you say his name, just other... Uh, uh, Suchek. No, 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 that's uh, that's the midfielder. Uh, they have like a, like a wing... A wing back named Sufal. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, and he does a, another really good job of making overlapping runs, uh, especially playing uh, between him and Jared Bowen um, towards that final third. They do a really good job of linking up. And uh, right now, it's I think all they're missing in their squad is uh, Mikel Antonio. He's out injured, um, but they've been they've been playing really well. I really like. Like you mentioned, that uh, to see them this high up in the table and not you know muddling in fifteenth, sixteenth, those those bummy places. This is kind of funny seeing them be the second best team in London and Arsenal all the way down to fifteenth. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> big oof. Um, Come on, you have us. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on on uh, West Ham? That's it for me. Cool. Um, so we're going to move on to Syria, which uh, we've seen an actual title race come about um, in a league that has had Juventus winning for like the past eight or nine seasons. Um, but I think we'll start with talking about Juventus. 
Um, they played uh, the Derby this weekend against Torino, uh, and they won, but barely. Um, it was, I think, a stoppage time winner, and that landed them fourth on the table. I mean, we all got to praise Weston McKinney for getting that game winner, boy. Hell yeah. Weston Not McKinney. to mention, it is a it was a two-run derby as well, so that's a derby goal. So count it for what it's worth. I mean, not a lot of people know about Juve and Torino here in the States, but hey, it's a derby. Yeah, for sure. And I like, um, I think we'll talk about McKinney a little later too, but I like how he's playing just a little bit higher up on the pitch almost, like as a cam, where he ma- he likes to make a lot of runs inside, um, which is great considering that I think he plays more of a defensive midfielder role in, you know, when he's playing for the U.S. Uh, so him, you know, being able and being willing to make those attacking runs with a team like Juventus, maybe we could start to see that uh, in the U.S. side. Um but yeah, uh, fourth in the table is six points from AC Milan. Uh, are Juventus worried? Is Pirlo worried? Um, I I'm gonna say no, just because this is this is kind of like the same uh, discussion we had about Dortmund and Bayern a couple episodes ago. I think Juve the, they this is the same old song and dance for them. They've got plenty of games left to play. I mean, it's it's pretty much that AC Milan cannot slip up whatsoever, or Juventus is going to cover that ground in no time. And now that they're now they're kind of hitting their stride, and like we're going to talk about them in the Champions League portion at the end, but <clears throat> they're starting to hit their stride as well in Champions League, and they're starting to fire on all cylinders. Ronaldo's looking pretty decent again. It's I don't think they're worried. I mean, Pirlo's I think he's doing a pretty good job, especially after seeing today's game. Yeah, I, I definitely did start to get worried for them, but I do remember, you know, they've, they've won the Serie A title so many times in a row now that people kind of just forget that they've been in this position before. Um, they have started the season pretty mediocrely, and then, you know, by the halfway through the season, you, you see them in first or second, and now it's like, okay, okay, well, that didn't really matter, I guess. Um so yeah, I mean they were behind Napoli for a long time last season, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, and I remember about uh, like three or four seasons ago they started off pretty like really really bad. I like probably a little bit above mid table, um, but you know the, as the season goes on they start to get stronger. Uh, I think Pirlo's really starting to realize what he wants to do with all these different pieces with the mountain of midfielders that they have for some reason. Um, and uh and yeah he's he's finding some traction and he's getting points and um yeah i i don't think i'd be too worried if i was if i was Pirlo or juve at this point agreed now the next bullet point we got for syria is ac milan is still undefeated right now it's their best start in the league since 1954 that's insane they currently sit four points above second place inter milan which inter milan's been pretty interesting this year uh, to say the least yeah, very up and down considering their Champions League performance sitting at the bottom of the of that group, um, which I think we will talk about Yeah, a little later. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, AC Milan has been on this crazy 22-game unbeaten run in Syria uh, that spans to last season. 17, 17 of those are wins. Uh, Zlatan is doing his thing at fucking 45 years old or however old he is now. <laughs> Uh, but then they also got their um, their more established players. They're starting to to get some traction and and do and do some good for that team. Uh, like Kessier, their midfielder, who had uh, scored over the weekend, and then um, or he scored a couple goals over the past couple games. Um, they just have like it, it's it's a thing of where they're starting to get their new players and their old players just kind of in the same page and starting to get rolling. Uh, and they have been rolling since last season. Um, and yeah, kind of throwing it back to, to AC Milan and Inter Milan being one and two, fighting for that fighting for that title. It's kind of, it's honestly kind of cool to see, but we'll have to see if uh, they can maintain this, if they have any consistency. Yeah, actually, I, I have a, I have a lot of faith that they, that they will, just because they have been on this consistent run of form for a while now. 
Um, you know, it wasn't a thing where they they went after the season. You know, they went on break after the season, came back, and they they started sputtering, uh, like probably a lot of people um, thought they would do. It, I think they've been consistent. Um, obviously, they're gonna you lose a couple games over the season. I think right now they're uh, they have eight wins, two draws. Uh, you know, still haven't lost a game. Um, I think they will they will lose games, but I think they have shown and they will continue to show that consistency throughout the season. The uh, for Milan, their next five games in the league: Parma, uh, Genoa, Sassuolo, Lazio, Benevento, and then they play Juve on the sixth of January. So that's going to be a pretty key game. I, l- I would like to think. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a, and it's a pretty it's a pretty doable schedule. You know, leading up to that Juve game too. Um, oh yeah, Sassuolo is probably about well Lazio too. Uh, Genoa and Benevento, they could probably chalk up his wins. Uh, so Swallow's actually been pretty good this year. I completely glossed over that. As they currently sit in fifth, they're just one point below Juventus. And Lazio, Lazio's always, you got to be careful about them too. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then in the in the Europa League, uh, AC Milan still have a, a game to play in their group, but um, I think it's they're sitting in second right now, and I think they're already going through. Uh, I don't think the people in third or fourth uh, have enough points or can't get enough points to take that first or second spot in the group. So it's all looking right. it's all looking pretty good for AC Milan right now. Um, excited to see where it goes. Should we uh, jump into the uh, next segment? Yeah. Um, so going from Serie A, we're going to hop over to uh, the Mexican League, Liga Mekis. Um, we're just going all over the place today. Yeah, we're, we we got the we got this shit down. All right, we got a rhythm now. It's great. I love it. Um, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, yeah, Liga MX. Um, they are uh, currently getting ready to play uh, the Apertura title um, final. The semifinalists were uh, Leon versus Guadalajara, which Leon won by I think two uh, one on an aggregate scoreline. Um, but the big one that I think we would want to talk about is um, Puma's comeback from 4-0 down uh, against um, Cruz Azul, which we have talked in the past um, are a little bit of a bottle job. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those situations where who do you who do you blame for this situation? It's just like, is it Cruz Azul's fault for blowing a 4-0 lead, or is it more, you know, magnificent that Pumas was able to come back from four nil down. That's in that's insane. I mean, a four nil down comeback. That's like that's that's a. I mean, in the semifinal of a, a, a of you know a title uh, you know tournament bracket, whatever you want to call it. That's that's huge for Pumas, um, who have not been in the final for I would like to say a while now. Yeah, and it, it ended up being four nil, or it ended up being four four on aggregate. Uh, I think they were all either away or home goals, but Pumas ended up going to the final because they had a higher place in the table, not necessarily because they were away or home goals. Which I thought that was situation God, was a little that weird. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Like I, you would think they would have gone into like a. Uh got into extra time at least or at least go into a pen shootout but that's that kind of that really sucks yeah Cruz Azul. and Cruz Azul have been so close for so many years um but have not been able to to get up there um but yeah that there is one one weird thing that I found it's just uh it, it I, I think they just ended the game 4-4 and it was just like all right Pumas ended up higher they get they get that final spot which is crazy I would be really Sad and angry if I was Cruz Azul right now. Oh, no, I, I forgot they beat uh, Tigres on their way toward the semifinal. They actually derailed the. Uh, well, Tigres, the current champions, current champions. I Defending think so. Champions? Yeah. If not, uh, they. I mean, they Tigres are in, Tigres are one of the teams that consistently go to. Um, to the final. Uh, very good job on their part. Um, and now it's set up for a Pumas versus Leon final. Um, the first game is going to be, I think, this week uh, on uh, Thursday. The eleventh. I think that's Friday. Yeah. Cool. Who, who do you got? Hmm. 
I'm, I'm conflicted because I think I have mentioned that I think that when we when we first started playing FIFA together, I used to use Pumas a lot, like in like 2012. Yeah, you you did. That was just a really good team for me. Um, and then Leon has been another team that I've supported more or less over the past couple of years uh, because of uh, you know my dad was a supporter of that team. Um, you know what? I'm gonna give it to Pumas on this one. I think I think Pumas is gonna come away with it three uh, one on aggregate. I think they definitely have the advantage because they're definitely going to be on a high from coming back from 4-0 down to go into this final. But over two legs, it makes it a lot more interesting. I uh, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think Pumas is going to win it. They had quite the trek to get here, and they're going to be raring to go. I'm going to give it a 3-2 on aggregate. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear. And this might be something that we might be discussing on bad takes in a couple weeks, so... Who knows? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, who knows? But, yeah. Um, you got anything else to say about uh, Pumas, Leon, Cruz Azul, the IMAX in general? Um, just, you know, they had a great season. Uh, congratulations to all the teams through making it through this uh, COVID ball. This is just well done. Yeah, for sure. Um, you want to go to the next one? Yeah, man, let's jump over into North America to talk about MLS. Ew. We've, uh, we, like we've mentioned, you know, a couple episodes ago that we're trying to find, you know, the drive to talk about it. And I think we kind of have to at this point because we're now approaching the MLS Cup final and it's been uh, selected as Seattle versus Columbus Crew. And this is, it's an, it's insane because Seattle, this is going to be their fourth out of five MLS Cup final appearances in the last five five cups. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a ridiculous stat. Um, and also the way they won the, that game against, uh, was it Minnesota? Um, yeah. Yeah, also the way they won that, that game against Minnesota, I think they scored uh, one goal in like the 80-something minute, and then uh, the one It was that, like the 89th. Yeah, and then, I mean, wasn't the, wasn't the game winner like a stoppage time? Like you know, yeah, and they corner. were both off. Of, uh, they were both off corners, actually. Yeah, yeah. So Seattle uh, definitely has like, I think it's just maybe like come down to experience at that point. You know, you've been in these positions for so long, and you know how to play in the final because you've been there so many times. I think they just kind of found the will, and it was also Minnesota. Minnesota is still a, a newish club to um, the MLS. Uh, and they're still, but it was like it's still pretty surprising, I would say, to to see them make that run um, this deep into the into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a good spot for Minnesota United. This is definitely the furthest they've ever gotten in the competition so far. They're definitely showing signs of, you know, really being an excellent side. And they had a they had a pretty pretty tough road to get there. They've having to dethrone a lot of really really good opponents. But, you know, they just fell a little bit short. But, you know, that's a, it's a learning opportunity for a lot of those players. I mean, Seattle, they've got that experience. They've got guys like Nicholas Ladero, Will Bruin. Um, uh, who, oh, gosh. What's that kid who played for Stanford? He was on the national team for quite a bit. Jordan Morris. A lot of, yeah, Jordan Morris. I mean, they have, they have experience, if not anything else. I mean... I, I'm having a hard time betting against them in this final, too. I mean, Columbus is good, and they've got the pieces to really make it a competition. I think it's going to be a really good final. I really do think so. Wasn't this, uh, wasn't this the final, like, a couple years ago? Maybe not a couple. Maybe, like, four or five years ago, but that ended up being, like, a... Or, no, or was it a Columbus uh, Timbers final? It was really, really boring. You remember that? <laughs> was oh, like... you're talking. You're you're thinking of the Sounders in Toronto final. Oh, I... and the last that's because like Stephen Fry, the goalkeeper for Seattle, had like he had a bunch ten of saves. saves that game, yeah. and then like the last goal was really like a really dinky header from Josie Altador, if I remember, and like he tipped it with his glove, but he it was so far away from him that he couldn't get enough strength to push. No, no, because Seattle won that. No. Yeah, that's what, dude. I'm thinking it's a, a Columbus. I think it was the Columbus. Uh, Columbus. No, crew, no, no, no. It, it definitely was the Toronto. Being, it ended up Seattle being final. A really, really bad game is all I remember. 
It was definitely the Toronto Seattle game because I remember watching that. I watched that whole thing and regretted every every single day. True. I think we. <laughs> I think we were. I think we watched it. Um, yeah, oh yeah, we probably did. Yeah, uh, but I was just I was just remembering to some of Columbus Crew's other appearances in the final and them not being really anything special. Um, but I think uh, you know, given what this year has brought. Uh, Maybe it's time for a really good MLS final, hopefully. Um, but well, just to, just to talk on uh, Columbus, they had to beat uh, the Red Bulls, which is no small feat to do, especially in the playoffs. They beat Nashville. They're the ones who dethroned Nashville, uh, Nashville's uh, playoff run. And then they dethroned the Revolution. So they had a pretty, pretty okay run. But to talk about the other side, Seattle had to dethrone... LAFC, which was amazing this year, they had to dethrone uh, FC Dallas, and then they had to play a really hot Minnesota United, which they dethroned Sporting KC, which is one of the better teams of the whole year. And I just, I don't know. I It's just hard. Like I said, it's hard to bet against the Sounders. We'll just, we'll just have to see. I mean, that final is going to be on the 13th. Oh, okay. I found it. I, was, I think I was talking about the Columbus-Portland final. Uh, but... It wasn't as boring as I remembered. It ended up being two one. Portland won. Uh, oh, that was the the final where uh, Portland had those re- uh, those uh, those really controversial goals. Yes, yeah. In like the first ten minutes, they scored two. Uh, Diego Valeri scored in the first minute, and then uh, Rodney Wallace. Oh yeah, because Valeri scored the fastest uh, MLS Cup final. Yes, goal ever. yes, yes, yes. I did. Yeah. See, and then we did watch that one too. I think we were at our first apartment. Yeah, that, that game was wild. I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a long. 2015 five years ago it's a long it's a long time ago god that feels so long yeah, ago like, oh 10 years ago they played that final uh oh my word but yeah um yeah big ups to both clubs uh uh really making it and and kind of putting down the some of the bigger teams in the mls too um uh just one last uh point before we jump away from mls yeah is, go for it. um the seattle coach uh schmetzer he has been the key to their success and has taken them to four MLS Cup finals. And I think that leaves room for discussion. I don't know. I don't think we're going to disagree on this, but I think he needs to be put in the conversation of being one of the next big U.S. coaches. If that conversation was going on right now, I'd say, hell yeah, brother. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't really trust in Greg Berhalter right now. Yeah, and, I mean, there's still a lot to be seen from him and the U.S. men's national team. He has a great group of players to to work with. I mean, the, it's just hoping we have the right guy at the helm to lead them. One of the best squads that the U.S. has seen in year ages ever, maybe. I don't know, controversial. But I I don't really know the history like back in like the '70s and '80s very well to know if this is the greatest collection ever, but. Uh, speaking of the U.S. national team, they play El Salvador tomorrow. I forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do, boy. <laughs> Julio's forever conflicted. No, I'm just playing. He's gonna. He loves his El Salvadoran boys. I do. They're ass, but I love them. That is probably gonna end like it's probably gonna end like it two gives nothing. them heart. It's gonna end like two nothing to the U.S. in a really scrappy win. Oh um, yeah, more than likely. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, yeah, shout out to the whole country of El Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> the whole country. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, anything else on the MLS final, M- MLS in general, Hamas? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Um, we are recording this off of the back of uh, the Tuesday Champions League games, uh, which saw a detrimental loss of Man United uh, going down to the Europa League at the hands of RB Leipzig. Well, I I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not. I mean, I think the the PSG game last week was an indicator that this was probably more or less going to be the case. Just like I like I was saying before, it's just trouble finding that consistency and the, us having that hot of a start at the beginning of our Champions League campaign was a little it was a little, you know, little bit of a little bit of a high there mm-hmm. and now we're being brought back down to reality so i mean i feel like the quality that we've got and the way we've been, we've been playing i think the europa league's probably where we should be at this point Ooh. um and i think um 
I think maybe with focus being drawn away from Champions League, it might help us in the league too. So it's a little bit of give and take, and I, I like I said, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I I was a, a little bit considering the team that United put out. Um, you know, over the weekend we saw uh, in halftime they, they uh, put in uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer put in Bruno Fernandez and I think Rashford, and all of a sudden the game was like flipped. So I think I was going off of that. I was like, okay, as soon as obviously Bruno Fernandez is going to be your go-to guy for everything, for crosses, uh, for getting out of pressure, for anything. So I was like, okay, if they're starting, I think they have a really good chance. Plus, y'all put a beating on, uh, or man, you put a beating on RB Leipzig the last time, uh, you know, they played. So, um, and you know, it's like it's it's like a must-win game. Um, so I think I thought United were gonna be a little bit more uh, ready to go, um, but RB Leipzig just came out of the gates a little faster. This is just one of those moments where it's like if we're gonna choke, this is gonna be the moment to choke. <laughs> so now we've kind of secured our place in third and going into the Europa League knockout stages. And even though uh, Istanbul and PSG didn't play, PSG had the win over us, and I think on goal differential as well, so they get to advance and stay in second place. Mm-hmm. Very tough loss for United. Uh, uh, now it's it'll see uh, PSG and RB Leipzig heading into the last round of 16 for Champions League. And just to kind of piggyback off of talking about United, um, I kind of had it as a sub-bullet point, but as of, I think, yesterday... Or Sunday, uh, Pogba's agent, Mino Raiola, came out and said that Pogba is done with United. And it looks like he might be leaving as early as January. And for me, I'm kind of, I'm okay with this. Pogba has definitely not panned out to be the guy he was made to made to be when he first got there. He's supposed to be the next, you know, big captain, the next big figure that brought us back to glory. And if I'm going to be honest, he's been very underwhelming. And he has not filled the shoes that he was, you know, projected to fill. And we we have the depth in the midfield to more... I mean, if, if we lose Pogba so that Van de Beek can play more often, ab- yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. We could pay for two Van de Beeks yeah. with the loss of Pogba. I mean, this is totally fine. I mean, where is he going to go? Probably Juventus. Probably Juventus. <laughs> To stack <laughs> Just up on that midfield Further tree. stockpile the center midfielders. Yeah, for no reason. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think we both have known for a while that Pogba wasn't really a good fit, or I think he started off really well, but over the years you could just tell, you know, especially going through that whole Mourinho thing, you could tell he was just growing, the disdain for Man U was just growing and growing. Um I hate that his agent had to just like come out and say that. Like that's I think that's super unprofessional. Uh, I think if you're gonna handle your business about being moved out of a club, being transferred out of a club, you can do that on your own. You don't need to go to the papers or anything else to be like, oh, he's done. Like that's just so like, I don't know. That's so shitty in my mind. Like it's just because that just first off adds another layer of pressure to a team that's already inconsistently performing. Um, and with Pogba starting uh, more consistently, you know, he uh, um, he started the last two games, it, it just kind of keeps piling on that pressure, on, on unnecessary pressure on United. If you want to leave in January, go. You can leave, you know. But, you know, I, I just don't see the point of bringing it that much attention because I think everyone has seen that this is where it was going to go. This is no, like, big surprise, at least in my mind it wasn't. Um, yeah, and I would I would definitely agree with that statement. I mean, if you know Mino Raiola, uh, Pogba's agent, you know this is very stereotypical move from him. I mean, he's just kind of you know an attention seeking kind of person. He just he has you know the biggest best players in the in the game, and he's got to be you know the center of attention. So he makes these like proclamations, and he's like, my my player's done. He's done there, and it's just I, I'm not surprised by that either. Um, but you know, with the way things have been going, it's just like you were saying, you just have that conflict in the dressing room now 
where it's just like leading up to your biggest Champions League game in a long time, you know, determining your fate. And now it's just like, oh, well, Pogba has just proclaimed that he's done with the club and, and he hates it here. And he's starting. Like, that's. <laughs> and he's starting over me. Fantastic. Yeah, that's so bad for the club in general, man. I just. But with agents nowadays, it's like, I mean, especially with him, it's, it's what they do. They're just some some scummy people out there. Um, yeah, and it's it's sad to see. I mean, I really appreciate his time here, but I mean, if this is the way he's going to go out, then. Like, there's the door. Yeah. You go. Bye. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else on Man U? Uh, I'm, I'm sad. That's all. <laughs> I am uh, uh, sad. Um, cool. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, the other Champions League game that happened today, uh, it was Juventus versus Barcelona, Ronaldo versus Messi, blah, blah, blah. Barcelona played like Barcelona has played in the league in La Liga for like the past like couple weeks. Um although I will say the the first penalty that was given to Juventus was kind of, it was very soft. I think Ronaldo just kind of fell over. Um but uh yeah, it it, it just kind of um it was kind of crazy to see just how both of these sides stacked up with, you know, the two best players in the world right now. Yeah, and it's this was the you know the dream matchup that we all been waiting for, and it kind of got pushed back because Ronaldo tested positive for COVID like about a month ago. Yeah, I think it was. So they end up having to play this game without Ronaldo, and I think Barcelona won the last time they played. They did, and Barcelona looked really good too when they uh, that last game. So I think the biggest talking point for us for this game is Weston McKinney scored an absolute screamer. Yeah, boy. It was a nice uh, high-flying scissor kick off a cross. I mean, he was like, you know, six feet away from the goal. But, hey, I mean, he absolutely blasted it. Yeah, I mean, it went directly through, uh, what's his name, Ter Stegen's hands. So Ter Stegen had a, a bad game, too. Yeah, he did, he did not look good. That whole defense is just poo-poo. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Weston McKinney, I, we've already kind of talked about him. Uh, I, and I just, again, I love the fact that he's that he has the freedom to make those runs uh, in the Juventus side, uh, you know, with kind of Ramsey filling in that um, kind of that sweeper uh, midfielder spot. Um, I think McKinney looks great. I think he looks full of confidence. I think... Uh, you know, you're going to develop well when you play with people like Ronaldo. Um, so it, it's, it's, that was really, really great to see. Uh, but from Barca's standpoint of view, it's kind of same old, same old at this point. Yeah, I mean, they just further showing their deterioration. I mean, their lineup was kind of whack, too. Some of the players that they picked. I mean, aside from uh, Serginho Dest also playing today, so seeing two Americans play for Barcelona and Juventus on the same pitch was... Uh, chef kiss. Yeah, fantastic. He's really good. And like Dest played, Dest played pretty pretty well. I mean, he was one of the highest ranking defenders on the field at the time, with his uh, post game rating. But uh, he he looked good. I mean, it just you know the two center backs and Ter Stegen decided to lay an egg on the um on the field. So not a whole lot you can do about that as a right back. So yeah, and also uh, Juventus just looked more re- ready for the match. I think they were press, pressing really well. I think they didn't give Barcelona a lot of time. They definitely didn't give Messi a lot of time uh, to operate. And, um, I mean, when you shut down Messi nowadays, you just shut down Barcelona. Uh, yeah, they have no production at, at that point. I mean, once you cut him off, I, there's no one there to, you know, make up, you know, the lack of playmaking ability. So it's a very one-dimensional team at this point. They've just become so reliant on Messi that it's finally biting them in the ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, and after this match, it saw Juventus go to uh, first place in that group uh, and Barcelona sit at second. So they will now be matched up against other potential um, or other teams that came in first in the group. Um, so really interesting to see how that goes. Uh, the last little point that we have for Champions League here um, is uh, Group B. Right now, which all play tomorrow, uh, it's Inter, Shakhtar, Real Madrid, and Mönchengladbach. Um, I should have pulled this up in a little bit, but they are all very close 
points wise. Uh, Munchen Gladbach has eight points. Shakhtar and Real Madrid are tied with seven points, and Inter Milan has five points. If I remember correctly, Munchen Gladbach plays Real Madrid tomorrow, mm-hmm. and Shakhtar and Inter play against each other tomorrow. So literally, whatever happens tomorrow is going to decide the fate of all four teams. And I, Real Madrid, I think they come. They're coming off a win from this weekend. Is that does that sound right? Yeah. Yep. So, they won one one nothing against Sevilla. Well, I mean, their form has been pretty weird, and they beat Inter Milan the last time they played uh, last week in the Champions League. So, <laughs> Munchen, I'll, I'll give Munchen Gladbach the favor in this game and say that they could probably pull out a win. I mean, even if they get a draw, I think they're fine. But Shakhtar and Inter will also be a pretty interesting game, I think. I mean, this is literally a toss-up right now. Yeah, I think I think Real Madrid are going to do their Real Madrid thing. Uh, they're going to pull out probably a squeaky win against Munch and Gladbach. Uh, I, I kind of... Inter have only won one of their Champions League games so far. Um... I don't. I, I actually don't see them winning against Shakhtar. I think it'll be a tie, um, at at the very most, uh, which would see I think, uh, Mönchengladbach and Real Madrid go into the next round, um, which is I, I think that I think I think that's how it's gonna play out. Real Madrid always, you know, they they show up when they when they need to. Well, Shakhtar and Inter, their last game against each other. I forgot, the, well, their last, the last time they played was a nil-nil draw. And, oh, God. If they finished nil-nil last time, I I don't know. And I, they're, I think they're Inter Milan's going to have the advantage. Their two wins have come from Real Madrid, both of them, I think. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely was. So uh, Shakhtar are in this really, really weird position. I don't know. It, it, so many things can happen with them just uh, with the top three being a point apart. Uh, with all varying goal differences, um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what 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 goes on tomorrow. I I'm gonna say Munch and Gladbach and Inter go to the next round. Munch and Gladbach and Inter. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. I'll I'll stay with that. Yeah, this could be a bad take for later episode, but. Whatever. <laughs> we, we need the content, baby. Uh, I'm, I'm locking in. <laughs> locking in my pick. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, anything else with uh, with uh, with that group? Uh, no, my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, let's uh, let's jump back into our last section before we finish up the episode. We're going to go into our from the pitch side segment, where we've got one little talking point that's kind of come up uh, recently, the past couple days. Uh, the PSG Istanbul game started but did not finish because of a remark the fourth official on the sideline apparently was referring to either one of the coaches for Istanbul or one of their players and said we need a yellow card that black guy and apparently Dimba Ba who was on the bench heard this remark and got up in his face and then everyone started to pile on on the sideline and then both teams agreed to just walk off and condemn the game so that's just the first instance and then the second instance is Millwall was playing it was either QPR or I forgot who they were playing in the championship but they were doing their uh, kind of the ceremonies at the beginning where they have the moment of silence for the Black Lives Matter and where you know everyone takes a knee and the Millwall fans decided to boo during this time which is such a bad look first time fans were allowed in the stadium since all this covid stuff went down and that's that's what ended up happening it was crazy uh that's so sad to see man it's just i think it's also eye-opening for people here in the states it's just like this isn't just an issue in the states i mean over in europe they they're constantly fighting with racism and it's just rearing its ugly head again and it's just crazy that these two happen within like two days of each other, and it's like reached like worldwide news. Yeah, what I what I would like to say about it is that it's always been a constant thing. It's never been just like not there. You know, I think players are starting to be a lot more vocal about it now, which is great. 
Um, but I think part of the part of the reason people think it's like oh it's like it's like you know now these problems are coming up now it's like no <laughs> these problems have always been there. It's not like it sneaks off and then comes back. It, it's not. It's an ever persistent problem. And across the whole world, across the whole footballing world, across any profession that you see. Um, and, you know, some people think that, uh, you know, taking a knee before the game starts is very performative, that, the you know, the leagues aren't really doing anything to combat racism, anything of that sort. Um, but, yeah, it was just really, it was really nasty. It was really ugly to see Millwall fans boo. Some of them came out and said we weren't booing. It's obvious. There's video. The game was televised. I don't know how I don't know how you want to get away with that. That's um, such a bad look, man. Yeah, and I think I think it's just I think it's re- first off really great that more players, more and more players are being just more vocal and prominent about it because this has always been an issue. It's not just a new thing like a lot of people think it is. Um and uh you know, it's it, and then seeing this thing in in the PSG game was was wild because uh, you know going through Twitter, um, you know there's actually a, a video uh, you can hear him you can hear the refs kind of say it, um, and people are like oh it's not it's it's like a term in Spanish like people are trying to defend the ref it's like oh it's a term in Spanish and it's like yeah you don't use that term <laughs> unless you're trying to like be a little bit more forceful or forward about that person's you know who that person is which is, is is nuts that people are trying to defend that because it's like oh you guys don't understand it's like it's in, it's in spanish it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter you don't use that term like that guy did you know he he didn't use it as you know like he it wasn't in a friendly connotation or anything like that it was a straight up question that the ref asked him who do you want me to card and the guy said that black guy it's the why oh. why it's it it just it just it baffles me. It is just, it's just like it's crazy. And then they wanted them to continue the game uh, because they changed the fourth official. And uh, I think uh, PSG were ready to go. Uh, Istanbul um, were just like, no, nah, we're gonna we're we're gonna leave. We're gonna dip. We're gonna go home. Um, I mean, to be fair to PSG, I mean they they had a lot riding on this game, which it ended up working out in their favor, anyways. Yeah, but for sure, I wasn't saying that PSG were in the wrong for wanting to start the game back up. I I, right. didn't, I didn't mean that, but it was um, right. It, yeah, it, it was just. I think, I think people think that this is again performative. You know that they think, oh well, they just you know they took it out of context, or are they just gonna walk out, blah blah. blah. It, <laughs> You need to believe people when they kind of tell you these kinds of things, um, and yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see. You know, Millwall fans. It was the first time they've been there since this whole COVID thing started, and that's one of the very first things that they did. It's crazy. Um, it, it's it's insane. I mean, if you need any further evidence, if you see these posts on social media, just take a quick peruse of the comments on there, and you'll see why they have to do this. Why it matters for them to be so vocal about it. Why we need, you know, more awareness on Black Lives Matter and just racism in general. I mean, these people are very vocal and they need to be, they need to change their tone, you know. And it's just more and more, you know, evident every single day. And it's just, it's just really sad to see that even in the year 2020, as shitty as it's been, we still have to deal with this kind of nonsense and people need to write their ships and just stop being a a poo-poo person. I would say something else, but <laughs> in the in the glory of our two foot attack podcast, I will not. Yeah, um yeah, that just that uh I don't even know. Um I mean the big big props to Istanbul and you know both PSG uh both uh, players from both teams decided to walk out right there and then uh, Demba Ba got in that guy's face and say, why would you say that? You know, it's not, you know, forget about the term. It's like, why would you say that? Like, think about, you know, the reason, um, which is, I mean, very big props to him, especially because he's been one of the, uh, I can't, I guess, more prominent figures being vocal, especially experiencing that kind of stuff in Turkey um, and really everywhere he's played. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. Um I, I I'm not I'm honestly not really surprised by it. I don't think it's a new thing. I think it's always been here. 
Uh, and I think people just uh, don't want to be educated sometimes, which is really sad to see. It is really sad to see. If we if we take anything away from this, get educated. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Um, don't be don't be Millwall fans. Yeah, and and those <laughs> yeah. and those people exist in all fan bases. I will say, but um, yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, um, very very crazy to see in the world of footballing, uh, especially with all the all the great things that are going on. You know, the Champions League fans are back in in England. Um, you know, and have these be the headlines of it is is just uh, sad, stupid, appalling. Um, right. But yeah, um, it kind of a kind of a sad note to end on, I think. But. Um, we, I mean, we really hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode of uh, Two Footed Tackle. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Two Tackle. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Two Footed Tackle. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Julio Ortiz. Go ahead, check that out. Sometimes I tweet funny things. Sometimes it's not. Um, I don't. So don't don't follow me. <laughs> any parting words, James? Uh. Don't be a don't be a poo poo person. Um, don't don't boo Black Lives Matter. Um, have a good uh, have a good holiday. Everyone uh, enjoy your Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is you uh, celebrate during this time, and uh, stay safe out there. Oh, you know what? That is a very good point. When when does this fall with our release schedule? You know, if we're doing two weeks. Uh, oh, we might actually fit another episode in before the holidays. Yeah, I, I think two weeks is right before Christmas time. So, um, yeah, uh, we hope uh, y'all are having a, uh, a a safe and wonderful holiday time. We will definitely put another episode out before Christmas time, um, probably right in time for Boxing Day and all that really good stuff. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank y'all so much for being here. Uh, please tell your friends. Um, leave a comment, rating, review, whatever you want, uh, and thank you. Thanks, y'all. Have a nice. Bye.